In this episode, we visit with Laura Terrell, an executive coach with over 25 years of experience as a legal and business leader. She offers an insider's perspective for business, legal, and corporate professionals working to help her clients to improve and achieve success in their work lives. Prior to coaching, she was a special assistant to the president at the White House a senior-level appointee at the U.S. Department of Justice, an equity partner in two large global law firms, and in-house counsel at a publicly traded company. Laura has also led and managed teams of people across multiple countries, serving as a top advisor to many Fortune 500 and FTSE 100 companies. Partnering with her clients, she enjoys helping them reach their goals and build confidence in their careers. Listen as we learn more about Laura Terrell. Welcome to the campgrounds. I'm your camp director, Derek Lott, and we've got a great conversation for you. Goal Camp, where we focus on not only setting goals, but becoming the people we need to be to achieve those goals. This is Goal Camp. So my background is a little bit lengthy, diverse, complicated. I am now an executive coach. I came to that by a long path, including 25 years as a practicing attorney. And I've worked in a lot of different environments. I was a special assistant to the president at the White House. I worked at the US Department of Justice. I've worked in publicly traded company. I have been an equity partner in two global law firms. And in addition to being a lawyer advising people on legal issues, I've also been a very senior business advisor working with people and individuals and companies and nonprofit organizations, really thinking strategically about where organizations are headed, where individuals would like to go, what their goals are. And all of that was a very satisfying practice for me. I really enjoyed working with companies all over the world. I've worked in many, many places, a great international diverse client base. And I had the opportunity to really see a number of things that I never envisioned when I was starting out as a lawyer that might be on the horizon for me. I thought maybe I would be a certain kind of lawyer. And then I had an interesting opportunity to go into financial enforcement work, working for a financial regulator, dealing with global markets. This was not something I felt terribly comfortable with or terribly uh, savvy, but I took the time to learn. And I really found that to be an entree to doing the kind of investigative and litigation work for white collar defense, which was primarily my practice. And that was something that evolved. And it evolved in part because I worked with terrific people who said, do you want to try this? Or I have this case. Do you have any experience? Oh, it's okay if you don't have any experience. Let's let's start it together. And part of what I did was almost always say yes to what came along early in my career, because I didn't know whether it would be where I wanted to go or where it might be maybe something I would try once, but I wanted to get a diversity of experience. I also really wanted to travel and see the world. So when I had an opportunity and somebody said, would you like to work on a project in Nigeria and Ghana? I said, sure. Thinking that sounds great. I've never been to that part of the world. Or when someone said, could you 
go to China on short notice. I thought, sure, I'll do that. I don't know anything about working in China, but I've always felt that part of the way that you get to know people and that you get to really form relationships with them is to go in and say, I'm new. Tell me what you think I need to know in order to help you with this job. Or let me have an opportunity to watch you working and to learn from you. And I joke that that often results in people that look at you the first time you show up somewhere and say, what are you doing here? The second time they say, oh, you came back. And the third time they say, all right, let's sit down. Let's get this done together. And I had that experience over and over again across the world. And it was an incredible experience. So I really benefited from that diversity, that um, openness to taking the next opportunity. And sometimes I didn't have lofty goals along the way. Sometimes my goal was just to learn in the moment. Sometimes my goal was to see if this was where I wanted to go in my next role. I feel very fortunate to have had incredible success in that venue. As I mentioned, I've, I've been a very senior leader in government, in private practice, in corporate America. And I think that success and that enjoyment of working with people was one of the things that led me to form my own coaching business. I really felt like I had a lot to share with people. And I wanted other people to know you're not alone. When you go through some of these questions and the things that come up for you that are challenges or hurdles, I get it. I get where you are. And I'd like to help you work through the pivots or the transitions or the changes in your life. And I want to do that on a more dedicated basis. It doesn't leave a lot of time when you're working in corporate America. And I wanted to have that opportunity. I picked up on the conversation that you were open to opportunity. Has that been something you've cultivated throughout your career or is it just part of your natural personality? I think it's a combination, Derek. I think I am very positive and open about many things, but there are certainly things that have come along. I've said, whoa, I don't know anything about that. That's going to involve me learning a whole new way of working and I'm being thrown in at the deep end. What if I can't do this? Or what if I fail at this? But a lot of the opportunities that I've had were things where I said, you know, I think it's worth, worth taking a risk. It's worth taking a chance to see whether I can do this. And I wanted to grow and I wanted to enhance my knowledge. So when I had some of those opportunities, I was asking myself, could this be really good for me as a development tool? But could it also be a lot of fun? And sometimes the fun part of it is what you make of it. Some part, sometimes that's very true. It doesn't mean there aren't days where you're frustrated or you have a language barrier with client work that you're doing, but it also, I think, involves a certain mindset. And I know you talk about that a lot on Goal Camp. That mindset is really important. If you start putting yourself in the picture of, this is an opportunity, how do you take advantage of an opportunity and how do you make it something that is a positive for you? It also makes you more positive about the opportunity. And it sounds like you're very comfortable with yourself, who you are, it, it, you have an understanding of what's in your wheelhouse, what aligns with your values and the direction you want to go when sizing up opportunity. Absolutely. I also think there's a huge dose of where's my help and where's my support when I do this. Mm. If I jump in 
And I suddenly wonder, how do I get this done in this particular environment? Or what if I hit a snag and I'm not sure how to handle this deposition, or I'm not sure to handle this court argument? What are my resources to turn to? One of the things I find with many of my clients is when they are struggling with something, one of the first questions I ask is, what's a good resource for you that you could ask about this? Or what's something that you could access? Or someone that you feel comfortable asking, how did this work the last time we did it in the company? Or what would be your best advice for things I should focus on? Or where do, even where do you think my strengths are? And where do you think I should seek help in leading this project? It's funny to me that people often ask for feedback or say they want feedback in the roles they're in. But even before you get to the goal or the project or the final thing you're supposed to deliver, it's really important to access those resources and ask for that feedback early. I think that is that is critical is to communicate with people, ask questions, and access resources that can be of assistance. I jumped off the cliff sometimes into opportunities, but with the knowledge that I, I think I have somebody that I could turn to if I needed that. Or if this doesn't go well, I know how to reach out and ask for help. I always say you don't do this thing alone. And for you to be thinking ahead like that is really a good tip for anyone out there who's seeking to endeavor something to level up who can help you and what resources do you have to latch on to if things get a little uneasy, if there's a little turbulence. Now you pivoted into coaching and what made you take that plunge? First off, I was very fortunate to benefit from working with great coaches and great mentors at different points in my career. And they came from very different backgrounds. They were not all men. They were not all women. They were not all people that had only worked in the private sector. They were not all white. They were not all black. They were people from all different parts of, the, of life. And that's something I found was incredibly beneficial for me. When we talk about seeking out a mentor or a coach or a cheerleader, sometimes people say, well, I want someone that looks like me. And sometimes that's valuable or somebody that has walked the path I've walked in. And I've certainly walked the path that a lot of my clients have walked in, but they also bring things to me that are different. And I have some experience, but maybe secondhand, maybe having learned from a colleague about that. Most of all, I'm just listening to my clients about what's important to them. And you asked about the pivot into coaching. Well, that's something you do as a lawyer as well. You're really there to listen to your client. What are they asking me for? What do they need? What's important to them? And for me, I'd had great coaches that had provided that to me. And as I was thinking about my next chapter, I realized I enjoy being a lawyer, but I also wanted to spend more time on the person-to-person -person relationships. And it was difficult to do that with a full docket of cases, with a full docket of work. It was something that I had always enjoyed. And I was taking a sabbatical at one point, and I realized I was having people call me and say, hey, I know you're taking a break right now, but I've got this thing going on and you've known me for 10 years or we worked together. I know it was a number of years ago, but do you have any thoughts on where I might go in my career or do you think I'm doing the right things? And I felt like my job was to, to listen to them first 
and to provide input or thoughts afterwards, but really first to be a serious listener and try to understand what they were going through. And that's when I started thinking, you know, that's what a lot of my coaches did for me. And this is a real opportunity. So I made a fundamental change. It's a very different type of practice than legal practice in some respects, but that listening component is there. And for me, I just, I wanted to be more connected and more intimately working with people as opposed to just the case or the facts or the evidence before me. I really wanted to have that that close relationship with the people to work with. And I feel like I have a real passion for letting people know I get it. Sometimes it's lonely out there. Sometimes you feel really down. Sometimes you feel really frustrated or you have somebody that is having trouble being accountable to themselves for their goals. I know you talk a lot about accountability, Derek. I love working with people to say, I'll help you be accountable, but I want you to set your own goals and I want you to find your own path and I will help support you and I will help get you there. We will do that together and it won't be lonely and it won't be am I crazy for thinking this? You're not crazy for thinking that. We can we can do this together. And that is just a incredibly rewarding thing for me. So it, it was a gradual pivot, but it was also a very meaningful pivot for me to coaching. And you said something that I want to underscore. You said listening several times. Is that something that being an attorney, you, you have to learn to listen to your clients and therefore that was really handy as you moved into coaching? Well, I will say it is something you should do as an attorney. (laughs) I think people think of attorneys often as a profession generally where they talk a lot. And I know a lot of attorneys that talk a lot. I know a lot of attorneys who tell their clients, this is what you need, or this is where I think you need to go, or I hear what you're saying, but let me push back on that a bit. Let me tell you a different way of going about it. I'm not saying as a as an attorney, you should just say, okay, I'll do whatever you ask me to. You don't want to do things that are unethical. You want to provide alternatives. Your clients are also seen you as an expert. And sometimes they're saying, what do you think? Is this the right strategy? Or we've we've hit a bump. Where do we go? So you are asked to contribute. You are asked to participate. It's a conversation. It's a dialogue. But I think for many attorneys, they often stop listening to their clients. And they start thinking about, you need a legal solution. I know what the legal solution is rather than my client has a legal problem, but they also have a real business priority here. Maybe I need to understand their business priority and not just be the lawyer. Or maybe I need to think about when they tell me, here's what's urgent. Here's what I can afford. What's the possibility that you can put forward that maybe is not the most expensive Uh, engagement that you can secure, but is the most powerful in terms of solving the immediate solution. All of that requires listening. As my my niece's preschool teacher says, putting your listening ears on. And I think sometimes attorneys fail to put their listening ears on. So as an attorney, one thing I was really conscious of was always asking myself, am I listening enough? Am I listening enough to my clients? And as a coach, I get the opportunity to do that even more, but I still ask myself that question. I used to do this thing called listening, but I was only listening for you to finish so I could say what was on my mind, right? (laughs) 
So I wasn't really listening. I was just waiting for you to stop talking so I can get off. You already had the idea in your head of what you wanted to say. And it was just, hey, I'm looking at my watch. I'm seeing when Laura finishes, what do I want to get? Because this is really about me. And as a coach, it's not about you. It really is about my clients and tuning into them. And what's important to them is what's important to me. How do you get someone prepared mentally for the changes they have to go through to accomplish their goals? One of the things I often do with clients when they come to me and say, this is my goal, is to talk a little bit about that goal first. What's important about that goal? What makes it urgent that you want to achieve it now or you want to achieve it in the next year? What do you think the elements are that would satisfy you professionally? In my case, because I coach people on career life and professional life, what would satisfy you about that? What does that look like to you also when you get that accomplishment? And then often, what do you know about what it takes to work towards that goal? I really want to understand why this is the motivating factor, because as we work together, sometimes I find my clients saying, I hadn't thought of X and maybe that changes my goal, or maybe that changes how I have to go about this goal. If I want a promotion to senior director in my company or vice president of a PNL, I didn't realize I'm going to need to do three or four different things, and they may not be achievable in six months at my company. So that may mean I either need to change that goal or I need to change my steps to get to that goal. So I think probing what that goal looks like and what you know about how to get there is really illuminating. And I think it helps people to then understand what are the steps you have to take. I can't outline the steps without really knowing what it is you're working towards and what you know about it. Sometimes that also involves giving clients a little bit of homework to go back to their company. Okay, if you don't know what it takes to mean senior vice president, talk to somebody who is a senior vice president. Talk to someone who's been there. See if you can understand the steps. See if that's changed since they went through this role. And we work through that because goal attainment, you're right. You have to change your mental muscle and you have to be able to to pivot and adapt to the realities of what it might take to accomplish something that might be different than what you thought going into this. As your knowledge changes, your steps are going to change. And that may mean you need to be more agile and more adept in working towards that goal. Hmm. I've heard this before, and I always struggle with it, that people give up too soon. I think that can be the case. But I also think it's important to recognize before you put in a lengthy period of work strategy steps towards a certain goal, if you realize this isn't really my goal anymore, or this might be my goal five years from now. But right now, my goal is focusing on my family. Or right now, my goal is trying to stay in one geographic location and not being in a role where I need to move a lot. Um, It's important to recognize that. I think it's really important to be honest with yourself. Just because somebody makes a decision to say, my goals have changed. I don't necessarily think of that as giving up too soon. I do see people that sometimes say, candidly, you know, that wasn't the work I expected. And that's more than I want to put in right now. And so I think I'm going to go in a different direction. 
And if that's their decision and that's their work to do, I think it's really important to be honest with themselves about that. I, I'll give you a good example. A couple of clients that are working along the partnership path to law firm partner in their law firms, but that's a different path at different firms. And sometimes when people really get in the weeds and start thinking about what it takes, they say, you know, that's not really what I wanted. For example, maybe the monetary goal, a lot of compensation is great, but I don't want to put in the the level of work or the time or the politics that are required within this right now. I want to do something else. And that's okay. And I think that is the key. When it's quitting because it got hard, that's one thing. But when you have a conscious decision, to your point, having that thought process to say, hey, what am I doing? Am I doing the right things at the right time with the right people to accomplish the right things? And if I answer any of those questions, no, maybe it's time to change up. Not now, maybe not ever, but I, I'm pivoting and going in a different direction. That's that's extremely wise counsel because I think some people deal with failure and you, we talked about mindset earlier. How do you get people out of these failure mindsets? It's interesting you asked that. I, I wrote a piece a few months ago about how you get past that fear of failure or an actual failure, you've had a professional setback or something has not worked out. I think the first most powerful step is really recognizing you're not alone. Everybody fails. Everybody, everybody has a setback. Classic example I often use is for people of a certain age, you probably remember Bill Clinton before he was president, had a terrible experience with a speech at the 1988 Democratic National Convention. He went on really long into the night and it was written up in press as boring and too lengthy and not a well-spoken person. And he was, you could write him off. He wasn't going anywhere. You can Google this speech, Google Bill Clinton, 1988 Democratic Convention. Well, four years later, this guy was the nominee of his party. He became the president of the United States. He was reelected. He served two terms in the White House. He is probably one of the most dynamic and charismatic speakers People who have met him in person will tell you that he is incredibly integrative. He is communicating in a way that just makes you feel incredibly important. This is a guy that was written off because he had one bad speech. And I think you have to recognize that somebody like Bill Clinton can come back from that. Lots of people do lots of things in their everyday lives to recover from failure. And secondly, the worst that can happen is usually not what you think will happen. Bill Clinton was said not just to never going to be president again, but he was going to be nobody. People were never going to take notice of him. He was wash him up, write him off. That's done. But in your own path, maybe you have something that's a real setback and you say, what if I get fired? What if I lose my job? What if nobody ever wants to hire me again? Those are possibilities in, in some circumstances, but in most circumstances, that's not the immediate conclusion to leap to. And I ask people to take a step back and really examine, okay, what happened here? What do I do to recover from that? If I flubbed remarks or I gave a bad closing at trial and my client's not happy, how do I approach that in a way that I can figure out how to recover from that? Maybe it's, you know, I agree. I didn't have the best closing here but I want to continue to work with you and I'm going to do some training and I want to prove to you I can handle the next case. I think third, you can 
learn and you can thrive even when you fail. A lot of failures that people go through are great learning opportunities. You got out ahead of your skis maybe on managing a project without asking for help, or you got in a scenario where you didn't really think strategically about what's our goal? How do we get there? What are the next steps? And then finally, I would say that I talk to my clients all the time about failure not defining you. Failure is not the definition Mm -hmm. of who you are. And one way to put that in context is to ask yourself, whatever bad thing has happened, what will it mean in five weeks, in five months, in five years? Many of the things that we think of as, as fatal, I didn't get a promotion or things didn't work out at that company and you move to another company, you find another role. I think it back to something you said a few minutes ago, Derek, it really is about making those choices and being deliberative about how you move forward and how you take the next steps in your career. If you say, okay, my goal has to be to get the next job because I've been let go from this job. That's the goal. You have to establish the steps and you have to start working towards them and being in a deliberate way rather than just letting it wash over you and not taking action. This has been an amazing conversation. Tell us more about your practice and how people can connect with you and the types of services you provide your clients. So you can go to my website, lauraterrell.com. The easiest way to connect with me is click on website there. There's a nice button that gives you free 30-minute consultation with me. If you're a lawyer and you want to know a little bit more about my work, I've also got a nice freebie you can download there. And I work with clients from all backgrounds. Um, About 50% of my clients are lawyers. Others are business professionals, consultants, CEOs, people running their own startup companies, people with startup ideas that are looking for coaching about the work they're doing. People that are making changes, thinking about big transitions in their career. And often people that come to me and say, something's not working. And I know I need to do something about it, but I'm not quite sure what it is. All of my clients are really terrific, ambitious folks. They're often just looking to make a change and they need support doing it. And that's what I like to offer. It has been an amazing conversation. I learned so much and look forward to learning so much more from you as you build out your coaching practice and work with people all over the world to make them better and help them accomplish their goals and reach their dreams. Here at Gold Camp, Derek Lott. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Gold Camp. Visit our website at DerekCLott.com forward slash Gold Camp. Find and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Derek C. Lott. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share with a friend. Achieving your goals is not something you can do alone. Find a partner that can keep you accountable. Until next time, this is Derek Lott signing off.